From the hallowed hallways of Shed High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. As you may have heard, Santa is having distribution problems in the run-up to Christmas this year. He has contacted Kingsley Brothers Trucking and Freight to help out with the crunch. We're getting into an 18-wheeler to deliver presents to his uh, various warehouses throughout the continent. And uh, people think that since it would be physically impossible to load Santa's sleigh with the billions of presents necessary to be delivered on Christmas night, that Santa therefore can't possibly exist. On the contrary, Santa uses a hub-and-spoke distribution strategy where the presents are stored in warehouses ahead of time, and he could just load up for one or two municipalities at, at a time. Therefore, it's up to us truckers to, to stock these sites in anticipation of the big night. So we'll be driving alongside the Kingsley Brothers, Rex, Ray, and Roy, also known as the potentates of Toten Freight. And, and they also have a reprobate cousin, Red Kingsley, we'll hear more about later. All right, the truck is buttoned up and we have the bill of lading. And so here is Bob Newman with his 1951 Holland Freight. I'm a natural born truck driver. I ball in every day. I turn around in New York town. Red hair. 
blonde that's mighty big One of these days I'll stop and say Baby, climb in my rig and I'll be hauling, hauling freight Hauling, hauling freight You can't be late, honey, when you're hauling Watson with Art Shaw and his new music that was 1937 Free Wheeling. And we commenced our cross-country journey with Mr. Bob Newman in 1951, Holland Freight. The actual delivery of Christmas presents is only a small subset of the work that Santa does during the year. He's also responsible for the manufacture, inventory, and supply chain of toys and stocking stuffers. In addition to that, he's developed an interest in the area of mathematics known as the traveling salesman problem. Given a list of cities, 
and the distances between each pair of cities, what is the shortest possible route that visits each city exactly once and then returns to the North Pole? The solution to this conundrum is of paramount importance to Santa. Every few years, someone develops a better algorithm for a more straightforward solution, and over time, the effort required for Santa to complete all his deliveries has actually been significantly reduced, even as the population of the world has increased. In fact, last year, he came in so far ahead of schedule, he had time to grab quite a few of the cookies left out for him. Okay, we've been driving for some time now, so let's pull over for a 1941 snack. Here is Dick Reinhardt and his Lone Star Boys with Truck Driver's Coffee Stop. Trucks rolling down that weary road so long Taking me to that coffee stop Where someone waits for me I know she's there Serving up that java To a dozen drivers, maybe more But she's saving that big cup for me I'll get my coffee from my sugar Then I'll truck on down the line I'll unload my wagon and be back by closing time I'm feeling low Cause I've almost blown my top But I'll keep on driving Till I see that truck driver's coffee stop my coffee from my sugar then I'll truck on down the line I'll unload my wagon and be back by closing time I'm feeling low cause I've almost blown my tongue but I'll keep on driving till I see that truck driver's coffee
get yourself a sweetie. Keep in time with a song. Just learn to step, get full of pep. Keep truck, truck, trucking along. Learn that red hot rhythm. Old style days are gone. Fellows, hold your baby. Truck, truck, truck along. Everybody's doing it, doing it now. It's the ladies' prey today. It's hot and hot. Listen to that music, but you're where they belong. You're bound to win. Come on, begin to truck, truck, trucking along. heard the 1935 Prairie Ramblers, Truckin'. Before that, Truck Drivin' Man, described by Cowboy Jack Derrick in 1947. And the Truck Drivin' Trio was touched off by Dick Reinhardt in his 1941 Lone Star Boys Truck Driver's Coffee Stop. We're driving an 18-wheel semi of Christmas presents to various of Santa's hub warehouses throughout the continent. Truck drivers are going to be putting in some long hours this season getting ready for Christmas. And we should mention that loneliness actually tops the list of the mental health concerns that truck drivers experience. Nearly a third of drivers say being alone all day and away from their family is a significant issue affecting their mental health. Ray Smith has a few words to say on this matter. Here is his 1951 Lonesome Truck Driver Blues. Lonesome, lonesome, lonesome truck driver's blues. Well, deep Pittsburgh with a load of steel. Nobody knows just how I feel with a road up ahead and my baby behind. Keeps me driving with a worried mind. Lonesome truck driver's blues. Lonesome truck driver's blues. With a road up ahead and my baby behind, it leaves me with a worried mind. Lonesome truck driver's You can't make a dime And if you haul too heavy Then you get a fine Look at him lined up down the road Gotta get rid of this ten-ton load Lonesome truck driver's blues Lonesome truck driver's blues With the road up ahead and my baby behind I can't keep her off my mind Lonesome truck driver's blues well, it's coffee and cake or parking beans, black-eyed peas or turnip greens. I turn on the radio to keep awake, and I hear moon on the 88. Lonesome truck driving blue. Lonesome truck driving blue. 
ain't sailing my ship alone for my baby's waiting for me at home. Lonesome truck driver's blue. Oh, the motor is purring, I'm a making time. It's taking me back to that baby of mine. She'll be purring like a kitten when I walk in the door. I won't sing the truck driver's blues no more. Lonesome truck driver's blues. Lonesome truck driver's blues. With the road up ahead and my baby behind us over the hills, the big wheels grind. Lonesome truck driver's blues. Cannonball Lewis with Truck Driver's Night Run Blues. Before that, we heard Lonesome Truck Driver Blues by Ray Smith, both those truck driving tales from 1951. Songs about the loneliness of long hours alone and away from family. On the other hand, some introverted or introspective truck drivers enjoy having the time to themselves for hours at a stretch. Some drivers can listen to podcasts or audiobooks all day and be happy as a clam. We hear next truck driver's boogie 
featuring Jim Boyd and his 1950 Men of the West. Driving down the highway, driving through the night, driving and wondering if my baby's doing me right. Driving and wondering if my baby's doing me right. Rocking and reeling, truck driver's boogie, feeling mighty doggone low. Stopping for some water, stopping for some oil. I gotta keep a going, let that radiator boil. I gotta keep a going. Let that radiator boil. A wheeling and a dealing, truck driver's boogie, a feeling mighty doggone low. I guess I better stop Always looking back for that motorcycle cop Always looking back for that motorcycle cop Rocking and reeling truck driver's boogie Feeling mighty doggone low I Passing on a hill takes a lot of nerve I Thinking about my baby as I'm passing on a curve I Thinking about my baby and passing on a curve a wheelin' and a dealin', truck driver's boogie, a feelin' mighty doggone low. Riding high, feeling low, put it in high and watch it go. Somebody don't help me 
I'll be traveling by and by. I need you, pretty baby, to help me carry on. Well, I need you, pretty baby, to help me carry on. Yeah, she still refused me. I know the highway is my home. That was Lowell Fulson with orchestra in 1948. The highway is my home. This was preceded by the 1950 truck driver's boogie, Jim Boyd and his men of the West. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is Round the World, and yours truly, Cracklin' Jane, is behind the wheel of an 18-wheel semi helping stock Santa's various distribution sites in anticipation of Christmas. On average, a long-haul trucker works 60 hours per week and drives over 100,000 miles per year. Hundreds of truck drivers are killed in crashes each year because they're at risk of drowsy and distracted driving. Having unrealistic deadlines can increase the likelihood of these unsafe actions. And this is why we're taking care of Santa's business weeks ahead of schedule. We'll get all the toys, new pajamas and socks into the warehouses a month ahead of time, but make all the fruitcake and cheese and mystery meat platter deliveries the actual week of Christmas. It's also important to avoid sampling the eggnog while driving. Merle Travis is here to explain with his 1948, A Fool at the Steering Wheel. The whole world hates the reprobates with a lust for grasp and greed. And some would scorn the man that's born of a different color or creed. But the world is thick with a lunatic society would conceal. But you meet him every day when you drive along the way. It's the fool at the steering wheel. So stop and think before you drink and heed to the world's appeal. To drive with care and ever beware of the fool at the steering wheel. In the day or night When you hear a crash and see A youth so fair Or a man with silver hair Plunge to eternity When they might have lived If only he would give A moment to the world's appeal And try to think twice For the devil would entice The fool at the steering wheel So stop and think Before you drink And heed to the world's appeal to drive with care and ever beware of a fool at the steering wheel. When you work or play or have a holiday and your heart with happiness fills and you pack your grip and take a little trip in your trusty automobile. 
If you must celebrate, don't ever trust fate, cause we know not what she conceals. And you'll ever regret when once you've met the fool at the steering wheel. So stop and think before you drink and heed to the world's appeal to drive with care and ever beware of a fool at the steering wheel. Before you drink and heed to the world's appeal to drive with care and ever beware of the fool at the steering wheel. Flashing 
Telling them to stop and go The one beside me seemed to ponder And I heard her singing right On the great highway up yonder Will there be a traffic light? So I asked if I could help her As the light tube came on As we crossed she said now stranger Tell me if I'm wrong or right On the great highway up yonder Will there be a traffic light Three songs about trucking safety and road conditions. We just heard Cal's story and the rambling mountaineers with their 1949 Will There Be a Traffic Light? This was preceded by the 1946 Heavy Traffic Ahead, courtesy of Bill Monroe and his Bluegrass Boys. And before that, Merle Travis warned about driving under the influence with his 1948 A Fool at the Steering Wheel. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. And do you ever wonder why big semi-trucks have 18 wheels? Well, they have four axles with four wheels each under the cargo to distribute the load and one steering axle up front with two wheels. The reason the tires are doubled on those rear axles is not only to better handle the heavy loads, but if one tire blows out, the truck is not just out of commission, so the cargo can still be delivered on time. And speaking of truck parts, here is Jimmy Bryant with Speedy West and their 1951 Hubcap Roll.
Headlight Blues, Zuzu Bolin in 1951, preceded by a 1946 four-wheel drive featuring Russell Prokop's Big Six, and the set commenced with Hubcap Roll, Jimmy Bryant with Speedy West. We are nearing completion of our heavy load delivery schedule for today, and we'd like to point out that in addition to his research into the traveling salesman problem which Santa uses to optimize his delivery times on Christmas, Santa has been exploring the use of mathematical combinatorics and randomization to make sure that any two people in the same neighborhood don't get identical presents. Let's close now by listening to two songs that express pride in the profession of long-haul trucking. Here is Leo Rayleigh with Cliff Bruner's 1937 Texas Wanderers, Can't Nobody Truck Like Me.
land and sea But I tell you, honey Ain't nobody trouble like me Won't you try me, honey Try my company For I'll tell you, baby Ain't nobody trouble like me Now when I twist I can't resist your charm And when I want you, I will taunt you and hold you tight in my arms. You may be contented with your stingery, but I tell you, honey, I can't nobody talk like me.
when I twist, I can't resist your charm. And when I want you, I'll always haunt you and hold you right in my arms. Now you may be contented with your singing, but now I tell you, honey, there can't nobody talk like. Bob Pope and his orchestra in 1936. Let's get hot and truck. Before that, two renditions of Can't Nobody Truck Like Me. First we heard Leo Rayleigh with Cliff Bruner's Texas Wanderers, followed by Buster Ferguson with Ossie Stockard and his Wanderers. Well, that wraps up our last delivery on the special itinerary of our long-haul 18-wheel semi. We've completed the day's deliveries of Christmas presents to Santa's warehouses throughout North America. These staging areas help with the complicated logistics of Santa's big delivery night in the early hours of Christmas itself. Santa has been perfecting a heuristic algorithm to solve the traveling salesman problem, which will optimize the distances traveled from one population center to another. Myself, along with the Kingsley brothers, Roy, Ray, and Rex 
We're happy to put in the many miles on our various delivery trucks and big rig vehicles. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. Now let's find out what happens when a big truck goes missing, freight and all. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator Johnny Dollar will get to the bottom of it. So let's listen. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Deller. Ted Arloff here. Arloff? Los Angeles? That's right. Tri-Western Indemnity Company. Well, hi, Ted. Look, are you free to come out here in a hurry? What's up? A wayward truck. A wayward? That's right, truck. Lost, straight, or stolen? That's what I hope you can find out. It's a big one. Insured for nearly 20000 That is a big one. And aboard it, when it disappeared, was the driver. Insured? For 10000 And a cargo of copper tubing worth 9500 Also insured. Holy... Ted, I'll grab the next plane. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And now, act one of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Tri-Western Indemnity Company, Los Angeles office. The following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the wayward truck matter. Expense account item one, $194.65, airfare and incidentals, Hartford to Los Angeles, California. When my plane set down at the International Airport shortly after 9 a.m., Ted Orloff was waiting for me. He led me on out to the parking lot. Here we are, Johnny. This car right here. All right. Go on. Hop in. Okay. You reserve a hotel room for me in town, Ted? Huh? Why? Well, after all, I've been sitting up on a plane all night and wouldn't mind a chance to shower and slick the whiskers off my pussy. Change clothes. Don't want to take the time. That's why I'm glad you could make it out here right away. See, this thing only happened Wednesday night. Well, just what did happen and who suffered the loss? And how about stopping somewhere so I can grab some breakfast, huh? Sure. Find a place along the way. Like I told you, Johnny, a truck loaded with $9,500 worth of copper tubing has disappeared. What kind of tubing? The kind they use a lot of in building airplanes, that sort of thing. Go on. It was shipped from Marlowe Copper Products over in East Los Angeles. That's where we're heading. Marlowe's a big jobber, distributor. Okay, so what happened? Well, late Wednesday night, a driver by the name of Jackie McAllen was scheduled to haul this order of tubing over to the Belden Aircraft Corporation over in Victorville. That's about 100 miles east of here, out in the desert. Yeah, I know. So? Well, the truckers usually drive that route at night, not only because of lighter traffic, but to avoid the heat during the daytime. Brother, you can say that again. Yeah. Well, anyhow, right after midnight Wednesday, 12.05 to be exact, Jackie signed out of the Marlowe warehouse with his load of copper tubing. Yesterday morning, Friday, Belden Aircraft was screaming for it wanting to know why it hadn't been delivered as promised. Just disappeared? Just disappeared. Hijacked, obviously. And the driver? Any word of him? Nothing. Well, what kind of a market is there for stuff like that out here? Plenty of market for it. Not only because it's expensive, but it's hard to get, too. 
especially for some of the new little companies that have sprung up around Palmdale and Lancaster out that way. Yeah, didn't Lockheed just build a plant out there? Lockheed, Belden, a lot of the big ones. And they subcontract work to the little boys. That's why nearly $10,000 worth of copper tubing would be worth its weight in gold to those little plants. Well, then it's a wonder there isn't more of this kind of hijacking, if that's what it is. What do you know about the driver of that truck? Jackie McAllen is as honest as a day is long. Yeah, who says? His employer, and he should know. Jackie's been driving for Marlowe Copper Products for years. They trust that boy with a load of pure gold. Yeah. Yeah. What's that mean? Yeah. Man might have some trouble selling off a load of pure gold. Huh? But if what you say is true about the demand for copper tubing in this area... Oh, now, wait a minute. Well, every man's supposed to have his price, you know, Ted. Look, Johnny, I see what you're driving at, all right. But not Jackie McCaffrey. You sure? 10000 is a lot of money. Wouldn't be worth 10000 sold undercover. Jackie would certainly know where to sell it, though, wouldn't he? Johnny... And why hasn't he showed up? I'll tell you why. Because he's probably been killed. <laughs> Item two, $1.75, breakfast for me and a cup of coffee for Ted Orloff on the way into Marlowe Copper Products in East Los Angeles. I was amazed at the way this industrial area has grown in the past few years. The Marlowe operation turned out to consist of a small office and a couple of warehouses. Marlowe himself was a tall, lean man of about 50, very much on the ball. Yes, sir, Mr. Dollar, it's as simple as that. Now, Willie here is the night watchman. I do, sir. Hi, Willie. According to Willie's clock and the shipping order in the manifest, Jackie McCallion signed his load out at exactly 12.05. And that's the last we've seen of either of them. He took off alone with a load worth $10,000? $9,500, yes. Well, isn't that taking quite a chance? We've done it many times. Mr. Marlowe, how much does this Jackie earn a week? Well, that would depend. Anywhere from 100 and... Oh, now, wait a minute. If you're thinking what I think you are, you're wrong, Dollar. Dead wrong. Just as I said, Johnny. Sure, why? I'd trust Jackie with my own life. And believe me, whoever's done him in, well, he's going to have to deal with me. I'll see him hang. Well, what makes you so sure he's been done in? Well, it's the only thing that could have happened to make him give up a shipment of goods. A hijacker'd have to kill him. And whoever did this to Jackie... Tell me, do you think there's any possibility of his having been approached beforehand by hijackers... Perhaps threatened into turning the shipment over to them? No, not a chance. He would have told me of anything like that immediately. If he had time, maybe. Who's working on the case now, Mr. Marlowe? The L.A. Police Department and the Sheriff's Department of every county in Southern California. Are all your trucks like those two I see out the window there? Jackie's was. We got four of those big singles. Did have. Now it's three. And three big tractor-trailer rigs. Mm-hmm. A truck like one of those is a pretty big hunk of stuff to just disappear. Willie. Uh, yes, sir. Were you on duty Wednesday? Yes, sir, I was. Did you notice anything unusual about Jackie that night? Why, no, sir, not that I noticed. He came to pick up his truck alone, huh? I didn't see nobody else with him. Well, uh, did he look worried, anything like that? Well, not that I could see, no, sir. And he didn't say anything that might have indicated things weren't as they should be? Not that I heard, no, sir. Just exactly what did he do? What the driver always does, come in, signed in, signed up the manifest, putting down the time, and then drove off with his truck like old. Nothing unusual at all? Not that I saw, no, sir. Mr. Marlowe, where did Jackie live? Somewhere over on West 3rd Street. He lived alone. Naturally, the police looked for him there first thing. May I have that address, please? I'll have my secretary get it for you. You, uh, you all through with me, boss? Yes, Willie. If you're going to work tonight, you better get some sleep going. Yes, sir. Thank you. Right. And believe me, nothing's going to happen to anything this time. 
If I were you, Mr. Marlowe, I think I'd have more than that for a night watchman in a place like this. Just what were you thinking of, Mr. Dollar? Jackie's address, I mean. <sighs> Look, if the police and sheriff's offices haven't been able to turn up anything, well, in spite of what you said, there's always the possibility of collusion in a case like this. Between, between Jackie and whoever stole that truck? Oh, no, sir. There's always the possibility, voluntary or otherwise, if Jackie was in with the hijackers, even against his will... I, I wouldn't believe but it. But it's a possibility, whether you want to believe it or not. For one thing, how would the hijackers know when and how the shipment was to be made? From any one of a number of sources. The man who supervised the loading here, for instance. Oh, Red Kingsley, or almost anybody in the place, or just as easily anyone over at Belden Aviation in Victorville. Belden with no exact time of departure from this warehouse? Oh, well, no. Close indeed. timing in a hijack operation is usually pretty important. But they knew the stuff was due at their plant early Friday morning. They've been hollering for it ever since. I'll lay my money on the tip-off coming from this end. Now... Has the route between here and Victorville been thoroughly gone over? By the police. And they found no sign of either the truck or this fellow Jack? That's right. The truck, of course, could be disguised. New coat of paint, that sort of thing, often done. But no body, alive or otherwise? No. So how do you plan to proceed? Well, if Jackie was forced to participate... And I I'm sure he wasn't. Then I don't know. Let me have that address, huh? <laughs> Frankly, I didn't have the least idea what I was looking for. But I couldn't just stand around, so I borrowed a company car with a name and a number plastered all over the side and drove to the West 3rd Street address, hoping I'd have no trouble persuading the manager to let me in. Manager? Not in that old ramshackle frame house. The front door was wide open, and the mailbox had the number four opposite Jackie's name. That meant upstairs. As I reached the second floor, I could see that the door of number four was slightly ajar. And I could hear somebody moving about inside, opening closets and drawers. Quietly, I slipped close to the door. Inside, his back toward me, was a big, broad-shouldered brute, hastily emptying one of the bureau drawers. He was dressed in dirty work pants and wore a heavy, tattered blue sweater. Hey, what? Maybe you better let me ask the questions, huh? Oh, yeah? Now, look, buddy. What are you doing here? What are you putting into those handbags? None of your business. Now, you get out of here. Not until I find out what you're up to. I said get out. Didn't you hear me? Oh, take it easy. Please. Oh, yeah? You want to play that way, huh? That's right. Brother, that was a big mistake. Oh, you asked for it. You... Oh, no, you don't. No. All right. Now, start talking. What were you doing here in Jackie's room? Well, what was I doing here? Hey, look. Who do you think you are? The law or something barging in here like this? That's right. Who are you? I said, who are you? I'm Dick McCallion. What? That's right. Jackie McCallion. of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Our flag now numbers 50 stars, and behind each star there stands yet another flag representing one of the 50 states. New Jersey's flag was created at the direction of George Washington. In 1779, General Washington directed that the New Jersey Continental Regiments wear coats of dark blue with buff-colored facing. This was done as a tribute to the former ruler of these colonies, the Dutch, whose national colors were buff and blue. Later, he instructed that the field on the flag of New Jersey should be the same buff color, 
and the state coat of arms in blue be placed upon it. The state's motto, reflecting the aspirations of all who came to these shores, is also inscribed on the flag, liberty and prosperity. This flag was displayed proudly before the combined American and French armies at the surrender of Cornwallis's army at Yorktown. New Jersey's state flag, the flag of the third state to enter the Union, was adopted on March 26, 1896. Now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Wayward Truck Matters. Missing. A $20,000 truck from the Marlowe Copper Products Company of East Los Angeles. Also missing. It's cargo of copper tubing insured for $9,500. Also missing, also insured, the driver, one Jackie McCallion. And when I found a big, ugly-looking character going through Jackie's furnished room, I jumped him. And who does it turn out to be? That's right. Jackie McCallish. Boy, I'll say this, buddy. You, you sure handy with your dukes for a skinny guy. Hey, who are you, anyway? Johnny Dollar, insurance investigator. And look, I'm, I'm sorry I must jump, Jackie. Uh, insurance what? Well, I came here to find out what happened to you and that truckload of copper tubing that never got to build an aviation over in Victorville. What are you talking about? Of course it didn't. Of course not. Well, why? <laughs> because the shipment was called off, that's why. What? Well, sure. It was supposed to go out Wednesday night, right after midnight. And it did. At least it left the warehouse. Oh, that's where you're wrong. Because me and Betsy, we was going to take it. Betsy? Yeah, Betsy. You know, my truck. Only the order got canceled out. Who says so? The office. Who at the office? Well, how shall I know? All I know is I was here in my room getting ready to go over and pick up Betsy and the tubing. And the phone rung and a girl from the office says the shipment is canceled out. What girl? Do you know? I don't know. Some girl says she was in the office or so. You know, one of the girls, like, like they always giving out the orders, you know. And uh, she told me the boss says on account of there ain't no more trips for me this week, I can stop my vacation right away instead of next week. But you don't know which girl in the office told you that. I told you, I don't know. I told her, tell Mr. Marlowe thanks, that's all. Why? D didn't she tell him? Where have you been since Wednesday night? Oh, down in San Diego, staying at my sister's and doing some yellowtail fishing while I was there. <laughs> you know, out around San Clemente Island. Boy, it ain't pulling in the big ones. Yeah, I'm sure wait, they are. Why there was I... one guy on our party boat that... Hey, wait a minute. Well, what do you mean the shipment went out? Just that. On schedule. A little after midnight. But that girl told me... And it hasn't been heard of since. You... You mean it went out in my truck? In Betsy? Who took it? According to everything we know... You? Oh, no, sir. By midnight Wednesday, I was halfway to San Diego in my car. Look, you ask my sister down there. I got there before 1 a.m. Call her up and ask her. Go ahead, call her. You're sure of that? Oh, sure, I'm sure. And if some dirty guy took my Betsy out, I'll kill him. Don't nobody write Betsy but me. Well, what were you doing when I came in here? Packing those bags in such a hurry. What for? <laughs> my vacation. What's the matter? Don't you hear good? Hey, well, look, mister. If somebody took my truck out... Okay, Jackie, okay, calm down and come along with me. Where? We're going back to Marlowe Copper Products to talk with a couple of people. Maybe to a showdown. Jackie? With a name like that, I'd pictured a slim, wiry little fellow, not this big gorilla. And from what he'd said and what he told me on the way back to the Marlowe warehouse, I was convinced he was telling the truth about his whereabouts the night of the robbery. But then... Who could possibly have been a close enough double for Jackie to fool the watchman? Or had the watchman been trying to fool me and the police? And why? 
Or could Marlowe himself have somehow contrived to? But again, why? And if Marlowe was up to something, well, he'd have been smart enough to put or at least keep Jackie out of the way. Well, Mr. Dollar, did you find it? Jackie! <laughs> Hi, boss. Hey, hey, what's going on around Jackie, here? Jackie, thank heaven. Boy, you're all right. Oh, sure, I'm all right. We thought you'd been killed or something. Oh, me? <laughs> Where'd you find him, Dollar? Where's the truck? Hey, boss, that's what I've been trying to find out. Only all this guy here does is ask me questions. Well, the important thing is you're all right. I didn't tell you this before, Dollar, but Jackie's as much a part of this business as I am. Ah, oh, come on, Ah, uh, you started out with me in the beginning when I didn't have a penny to my name. Worked seven days a week, night and day, helping me build up this business. And you've kept him just a truck driver? What do you mean, just kept me a truck driver? That's the way I like it. Ah. Oh. Yeah, even the big retirement he made for me. I don't want that. I just want to keep on driving the truck, just like I am. And maybe go fishing now and then. That's what I like, and I'm happy. Thank God you're still all right. Hey, but what about Bessie? Yes, Dollar, what about the truck? Any ideas, any leads? Mr. Marlowe, I want to talk to that night watchman of yours again. Well, Willie? That's right. Let's just hope he hasn't skipped town. Skipped town? Would you Dollar, see if you can locate him and get him down here? Well, of course. Do you think he was involved in the hijack operation? Well, let's get him in here, if we can, and we'll see. Something had just come back to me. Something pretty damning insofar as Willie was concerned. It was the way he had answered my questions when I talked to him before. Was there anything unusual about Jackie when he came to pick up the truck? Well, not that he'd noticed, he said. Had Jackie picked up the truck alone? Well, he hadn't seen anybody with him. What had Jackie said? He hadn't heard anything. Not one really positive answer in the lot. Or to the other questions I'd asked him. Much to my surprise, Marlowe's phone call brought assurances from Willie that he'd come over to the plant right away. And I... I told him I'd get somebody else to fill in for him tonight because of the sleep he's having to miss. Yeah, well, tell me this. Yeah. Do your watchmen carry a time clock? That's right. There are punch key boxes located in a dozen or so spots all over the warehouse and one in this office. Uh -huh. They register on a paper dial on the time clock, Yeah, right? that's right. That way there's a record of what time he reaches every station on his nightly round. Would you get me that record for Wednesday night, please? Well, of course. And while you're at it, I'd like a copy of the shipping order and the manifest for that truckload of copper tubing. I'll have my secretary get them for you. By the time his secretary dug the punch clock record out of the files, old Willie arrived, looking somewhat the worse from lack of sleep, but apparently willing to cooperate in any way he could. I took him out to the watchman's booth, which was just inside the warehouse gate. Yes, sir, Mr. Dollar. This here's my own private office every night. And this is where you were when Jackie McCannion came to pick up his truck Wednesday night, huh? Well, now, where else would I be? Well, now, that answer is just as definite as the ones you gave me before, Willie, and it won't do. I asked you if Jackie said anything that night that might have made you suspicious. And I told you, not that I heard, no, sir. Well, did you talk with him at all? Well, no, no reason to. There were just the two of you here in the middle of the night. Yes, sir. And you didn't even say hi to each other? Well, no, no reason. Driver comes around to pick up a shipment. He, well, all he has to do is sign up the manifest the time he leaves. And... You knew what time he was to be here, didn't you? Sure. I mean, yes, sir. It was right on the shipping order. But you didn't see him. You didn't see him pick up the shipping order or sign the manifest or drive out of here with his truck. Knowing he was coming, you left the gate open for him. Or knowing somebody was coming. That's against the rules, mister, leaving the gate. You weren't here when that truck went out. I didn't say that. No, no, so far you haven't said anything. You've just given a lot of evasive answers to all my questions. All right, all right. 
Now, if you were here, you were partner to the hijacking operation. No, sir. You'd have had to be. Because Jackie McCallion didn't pick up his truck that night, as you'd have us believe. If you were here at the gate, that is. And that's something we'll find out right now. Here. Say, that's out of my time clock. That's right. And it's dated the night of May 22nd and 23rd. That's the night? Yes. Now, where's Station 1? Why, that... Uh, that's right there on the gate there. And, and, and that's the key I use to punch my time clock. Every single night, right on schedule. And I don't know what you're getting at, Joe. All right, all right. Just listen to me and answer my questions. Station number one was punched at 11.41. If that's what it says, that's what it was. Now, where's number two? Well? Uh, look, I don't where like Where is wait. number two? It's the big double doors back in the warehouse on the right. But now you look 1147. here. 11.47. You must walk pretty slowly. Well, of course I do. I look around. I make sure that everything's all right. Okay. Now, where's number five? Come on, number five. On the back gate, way around the other side of the warehouse. Yeah, a good quarter of a mile from here. And according to this time clock record, that's where you were at exactly 12.04 that night. And, brother, I'd like to see you do a quarter of a mile around these buildings in less than a minute to get back here at exactly 12.05 when you claim Jackie signed out that truck. Well... You're right, Mr. Dollar. Yeah? Which way am I right? I... I wasn't here. I... I left the gate open for him. Like I often done when I wouldn't be right there for a night shipment. Like you often did? But don't you see? Nothing like this ever happened before. And when I seen his name on the manifest, I know that You he... weren't here when the truck went out, so you don't know a thing. I mean, I thought Jackie took it because... I left the catch on the main gate so it looked like it was locked. You ever done that before? Well, not for Jackie. He was always too close to the boss. Where he and the yeah, boss... Yeah, yeah, I know all about that. But I have for the other boys. Yeah. Yeah, you've left this whole place wide open for anybody who wanted to come in and take anything he could lay his hands on. And this time it was a $20,000 truck with a $10,000 cargo. Willie, you're in trouble. Plenty. <laughs> I questioned him further and got nothing more than a few tears and a plea for mercy, and then I turned him over to Marlowe. Willie was his problem now. But my own was still far from solved. I wasn't any closer to the missing truck and its cargo than I'd been when I arrived. Expense account item three, 220, lunch for Jackie McCallion and myself at the lunchroom around the corner. We were on our second cup of coffee. Good boy, you know, it was a good donut. <sighs> oh, sir, Mr. Dollar. And the more I think about it, the more I say that outside of them pretty girls in that boss's office, the only ones to be sure what time that shipment was to go out was Willie and, and Red Kingsley. Kingsley? That's his car I use. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy. He's in charge of all the shipping. Well, how much do you know about him? Well, I, I don't know. After all, you know, he, he's kind of over me. I thought your only real boss was Mr. Marlowe. Well, he is. You just bet he is. And and he's the best friend I ever had, too. But if I don't keep my place around the plant, you know, keep subordinating to the guys that are foreman and stuff, what do you think would happen to the morale around the plant? Well, tell me about Red anyway. Dollar. Well, he... Dollar, Mr. Dollar. Oh, Mr. Marlowe? I just got a call from the sheriff substation in Victorville. Yes? They've picked up some of that shipment of copper tubing. You see, we put a stamp on every piece. 
then whoever hijacked it is already getting rid of it. Yes, but so far nobody's admitting where they got it. It's at Air Metals Company and Stress Products Incorporated, both near Victorville. You want to check on it? Use Kingsley's car again. Right. Hey, hey, you want me to show you the route? Okay, Mr. Warren. Sure, Jackie, go to it. And believe me, we went. I don't know whether the police along the route have been alerted to let us by or not, but we earned more than one speeding ticket before we hit the cutoff around Victorville. The cutoff that would take us on past Edwards Air Force Base where the plants we were looking for were located. All along the way, Jackie had carefully scrutinized every truck we passed, going in either direction. No, no. Same make and model, but she and Betsy. Oh, Jackie, don't you realize that truck of yours is no doubt thoroughly disguised by now? Uh, you think a father couldn't tell his own little baby no matter how disguised it was? Maybe, but a truck. Yeah, no, no. Look at that one up ahead. See the, the one we're pulling up on? Oh, it's the same make and model, only this one is painted green. Yeah. Want me to slow up as we pass it? No, she ain't Betsy. Even from here, I could tell. I didn't quite... Hey, wait a minute. That's Betsy. You sure? That paint job looks pretty that's old. That's Betsy. I know by her sound. You stop and block her off. Hey, Red. That's what he shouted. And this is Red Kingsley's car with a company name all over it. Yeah, that's why he thought we was Red when we passed him. Sure, and look. Look, he's catching up on us. Well, he sure knows we ain't Red by now. Hey, look out. He's going to pile into us. He's going to ram us. Holy, hang on. Slapping you want to push this way. But come on. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. All right. I'm, I'm okay. Hey, your, your pal's up the road with that other truck. That's huh? the sheriff's car. Up up there were a couple of thousand miles of copper pipe spread all over the countryside. Oh, yeah. I edged him off the highway and he flipped over. Well, why did you do that? Why? Well, to hear those cops talk, you'd think I was a hero or something. The guys in the green truck rammed you off the road, didn't they? That's right. Well, when the cops seen that happen, they tried to force the truck off. Mister, that takes something like Clarabelle here. Clarabelle? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I call this tractor-trailer rig of mine. It's not the first time I've given the police a hand. Yeah? They've given a lot of people a hand, those boys who drive the big interstate trucks and trailers. They're a pretty fine bunch to have on the road. Well, I guess it's pretty obvious that Red Kingsley and Marlowe's shipping department was back at the hijacking operation. The two who were aboard the stolen truck turned state's evidence and sang plenty, and the courts will take care of them. Expense account total, including air transportation and incidentals back to Hartford, 50105. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Truly, 
starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote tonight's story. Heard in our cast were Boris Lewis, John Daner, Junius Matthews, Stacey Harris, and Jack Crucian. Musical supervision is by Amerigo Marino. This is Dan Coverley speaking. listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1957 episode of Johnny Dollar entitled The Wayward Truck Matter. Now stay tuned for the radio quiz show You Bet Your Life starring Groucho Marx. This 1950 episode has a professional truck driver as a contestant. Ladies and gentlemen, the secret word tonight is floor. F-L-O-O-R. Really? You bet your life! The more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers of America present Groucho Marx in You Bet Your Life, the comedy quiz series produced and transcribed from Hollywood. And here he is, the one, the only... That's me, Groucho Marx. Well, here I am again with $2,000 for one of our couples. Peniman, who's supposed to try for it? Well, uh, a male girl and a truck driver, Groucho. They were selected by our studio audience just before we went on the air. And uh, their names are Diane Strumwasser and John Ryan. Folks, meet Groucho Marx. Welcome for the DeSoto Plymouth dealers, and if you say the secret word, you'll divide $100 in cash. It's a common word, something you see every day. Diana Strumwasser and John Ryan. Eh? Where, where are you from, Diane? Los Angeles. Los Angeles? Uh, born Downtown here? Los Angeles. Huh? Downtown Los Angeles. Downtown. Well, that's the outskirts, huh? <laughs> and, uh, John, you're wearing outskirts, isn't it? No, no. John Ryan, you're the truck driver? Well, that's a good name for yes. a truck driver. Where, where are you from, John? Uh, I'm from the Columbine State. Where? Columbine State, Columbine Colorado. State. Are you married? No. Why not? Gosh, we never stay in one place long enough to really meet anyone, to know them well enough to get married. What about you, Diane? Are you married? No, sir. <clears throat> Would you like to be? Yes, of course. <laughs> May I ask one question? Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Have you a nickname, Diane? Yes, I do. What, what is it? Stromboli. Stromboli? <laughs> I must order that the next time I go to an Italian restaurant. Huh? 
Why Stromboli, uh, Diane? Well, that's what my section head, Papa Bull, calls me. Uh, I beg your pardon? That's what my section head, Papa Bull, calls me. That's what your section head, Papa Bull, calls mm -hmm. You'll have to break that down. Every word of it, I don't understand. <laughs> what well, is the section head and what is a Papa Bull? Well, you see, I work at Prudential. Prudential, the insurance company? Yes, uh-huh. And we have section heads. And one of them's name is Bart Van Oostendorf. So we call him Papa Bull. Why? That's a good what question. What has Van Oostendorf got to do with <laughs> Papa Bull, huh? Really nothing. Nothing, huh? <laughs> how old are you, uh, Stromboli? 22. And, uh, and you, John? I'm 28. Well, you're the right age for each other. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, you, you, where do you work, uh, Prudential Life Insurance What do you want me to call you, Diane or Stromboli? Diane will be Diane. fine. <laughs> You work for the Prudential Life Insurance mm -hmm. Company? Well, what is your policy with men my age? <laughs> well, <laughs> you'll have to take that up with Mr. Russell. He's the head of the new policy division. Uh, well, let's forget it. Huh? <laughs> what do you do as, a, as an insurance, uh, at the insurance company? Well, I'm a tripper. You're a, a tripper? Mm-hmm. You're, uh, you mean you stand out on the sidewalk and trip people? <laughs> so one of your insurance men can slip him a policy? What is a tripper, Stromboli? Well, I deliver mail and telegrams and inter-office communications. Well, why do they call you a tripper? Because I take trips on the fourth floor. <laughs> Well, Diane, you said the secret word, and you and John split $100 between you. Thank you. Isn't that nice? Aren't you a glad you're a tripper now? Huh? John, who do you work for? I'm at the Red Ball Transfer and Storage Company. Oh, the Red Ball Express, oh, the Red Ball Express. Uh, what do you haul in your truck, John? We haul furniture. Uh-huh. And where do you drive your truck? We drive uh, just anywhere. Anywhere? Anywhere. <laughs> Have you ever driven it to uh, Honolulu? <laughs> you better be more specific. Well, As a matter we... of fact, Honolulu's in the specific. <laughs> <laughs> well, how often do you drive your truck fully loaded? Gosh, as often as we... That's the kind of questions I have, huh? <laughs> Require no answer at all. Huh? <laughs> Are you insured, John? Yes, we're insured. Well, that's very wise. Suppose you were married to Diane. Would you want her to be insured? Certainly. How much insurance do you think a man ought to have on his wife? Four or five thousand dollars. How much insurance do you have on your truck? Mm, gee, overall we have twenty, about one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. <laughs> Let's get this straight. You would insure your wife for five thousand, your truck for one hundred and seventy thousand. <laughs> Diane, my advice to you is to get sixteen wheels. A diesel motor, and have your oil changed every thousand miles. <laughs> well, you make a very cute couple, and if I ever want to send a message, I'll hire John's truck. <laughs> now, uh, in just a minute, you're going to play your bet your life for a chance at the $2,000. Right now, I want you to listen carefully to what Fenneman has to say. <laughs> Well, the winter months are here now. You should have gotten your car ready for whatever the weather has in store for us. It's very important to have that family car of yours starting quickly and running smoothly these days. 
This is why so many motorists have already driven in to a DeSoto Plymouth dealers. Others come in primarily because of the two great cars which DeSoto Plymouth dealers are so proud to handle. The magnificent DeSoto is a big car with big car advantages, yet it handles like a dream. Stops on a dime thanks to those big, big brakes. Gives more miles per gallon than you ever thought possible from a large, power-packed car. And of course, DeSoto lets you drive without shifting. And as for value, you'll be amazed how far your dollars go today when you buy a brand new DeSoto. Remember, too, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth, a car that you'll want to compare. So look for those two great names linked together, DeSoto, Plymouth. Now, let's see if you two will get a chance at the $2,000. Fenneman, explain the rooms, All right. rules, with your customary charm. Each of our three couples has $20. Get as much of that $20 as they want on each of four questions. And the couple that earns the most money gets a chance at the big question at the end of the show. Big question tonight is worth $2,000. Here we go. Let's see how high I can build you $20. You selected. Name the song. Here's your first question. How much will you bet? $10? Yeah, yeah, betting, yes, $10 is fine. that all right, John? $10 okay. is fine. Here we go. Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam and the deer and the antelope play. Home on the range. Home on the range is right. Yeah, you're on your way. Yeah, $30. <laughs> Even I knew the answer to that. <laughs> all right, remember, you're going for $2,000 tonight. Now, how much, you're going to bet how much of the 30 Shall we bet 20 <laughs> Okay. How dear to my heart are the scenes of my childhood With fond recollections present them to view The old oaken bucket. The old oaken bucket is right. <laughs> 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 well, you really climbing now, you have $50. Now you got $50. Here's your third question. How much will you bet? What do we have? Talk up, kids. Right. 35, line, 40. Huh? How much are you going to bet? 40, 40. $40, okay. Daisy, Daisy, give bicycle belt for two. Ninety dollars. Hey, give me a chance. I don't know if I can get a chance to sing like this. Again. I only had one wheel of that bicycle. To the I was going to have a joke about wheeling, but I well, never mind. Here we go. Here's your last chance to beat the other couples. You have ninety dollars. How much of the ninety are you going to bet? What do you want? Eighty or all of it? Eighty. Eighty dollars. Uh, for this valley, they say you are going. How does that go? Uh, boy, where are the words? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know this song. This song only came out 12 years ago. I don't know. From this valley, they say you are going. Red River Valley. Red River Valley. I'm glad they know. That's wonderful, Diane. Put it there, kid. Put it there, John. Okay. And you people wind up with a grand total of $170. That really requires an air for music if they can decode it the way we sang it. Huh? Thanks and Merry Christmas from the DeSoto Plymouth dealer. Well, Groucho, the secret word is still floor. Just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected a door-to-door -door salesman. Uh, this is Mr. Uh, Frank Santos over here. And his partner is a housewife from the studio audience, uh, Mrs. Peggy Marshall. Folks, I'd like you to meet Groucho Marx. Well, welcome to your Bet Your Life, folks. And if you say the secret word, you'll split $100. It's a common word, something you see every day. 
Now, let's see. Uh, your name is uh, Peggy Marshall, and this is Frank Santos, huh? Right. Or, uh, where, where are you from, uh, Frank? I'm from Ripon, California. Where? Ripon, California. Ripon? Right. Where is Ripon? That is north of Modesto, about 10 miles. And where is Modesto? <laughs> and uh, Peggy Marshall, uh, where, where are you from, Peggy? Originally, I'm from Brooklyn. From Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. And uh, where's Brooklyn? Well, it's not in Texas. There is a Brooklyn in Texas. Well, this Brooklyn is uh, part of New York. I see. So you're a housewife. What kind of a house are you married to? Uh, a rambling two-story type? No, a husband. Oh, you're married to a husband. Well, I've known rambling two-story husbands. <laughs> However, that's another story, huh? <clears throat> now, what sort of work does your husband do? He's a salesman in a watch concern. Oh, Swan Watch Company. And how, how did you meet him? I met him at a Halloween dance. Uh, I was standing around waiting to be asked to dance, and... Uh, you were standing around waiting? <laughs> well, I looked different when I was younger. <laughs> uh, marriage aged me. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, it's improved you, too. <laughs> I, uh... Well, anyways, along came this horse, and... Uh, <laughs> Along came this horse? Yes. Well, it was a Halloween dance. Oh, and, I see. Uh, well, they usually have a horse at a Halloween dance. And, uh, and he asked you for a dance? Yes. And I was a little confused because um, I never danced with I a can... horse before. <laughs> he took the bit right in his teeth and asked you for a dance, huh? Well, uh... He was just sowing his wild oats, I guess. Huh? <laughs> what kind of a horse was it? A Palomino or... Uh, no, it was a black and white horse, and uh, the fellow that uh, impressed me the most was the one that was at the back end. <laughs> well, there were two. I see, uh, I see. He'll never forgive me for this. <laughs> Mr. Uh, uh, Santos, huh? That's right. You're a house to house salesman. Who do you work for, uh, Frank? Jewel Tea Company. The Jewel, and, and uh, what, do you, what do you do for them? Well, we sell coffee and household articles. Uh -huh. In other words, you're a door-to-door -door salesman, huh? Yes. Well, when the husband comes to the front door, you go out the back door? Is that That's it? That's right. <laughs> well, that can be fun. Now, tell us some more about your business. What's your most popular item? Uh, coffee. Why, why is that? Well, coffee is perhaps the most popular beverage, and uh, our coffee is roasted and ground fresh. I see. Now, uh, Peggy, do you think if you made bad coffee for your husband, that that would be grounds for divorce? No, but what I did tonight will be. <laughs> That's an old joke, but then who isn't, huh? <laughs> what did you do tonight, Peggy? The way I described him, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, I don't think he's going to take offense to that. He knows that you were only fooling in a Halloween party. People dress in all kinds of curious and queer costumes. Look at the outfit I've got on. <laughs> how, many, uh, how many different items do you carry in this uh, carry about buggy of yours? Huh? About 400. How do you carry so many items from door to door? Well, we carry them in a uh, ton walk-in truck. A walk-in truck? You yes, mean sir. your truck walks right into people's houses? <laughs> what is your truck like? Well, it has shelves in it, and inside the truck we have groceries and household articles, and the customers can walk right in and look at it if they wish. Mm -hmm. uh, how do your customers feel about walking into your truck? They like it. Is that so? <laughs> Last time I walked into a truck, I spent four months in a hospital. <laughs>
Uh, how do you get new customers, uh, 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 Frank? By soliciting. Uh, you soliciting? By soliciting. Well, let's hear how you sell Mrs. Uh, Marshall here. How would you approach her? Go ahead. How do you do? I'm Mr. Sands with Jewel Tea Company. <laughs> Certainly left her cold. <laughs> now, can you tell a good prospect from the outside of the house, Frank? Yes, I oh. can. Well, if you're going by a house and you see uh, in the backyard, you see on the line perhaps a uh, long nightgown, you could imagine that some old maid lived there. You, you still think that old maids wear nightgowns, huh? <laughs> yeah, I probably do. Frank, you're living in a fool's paradise. <laughs> now, if you went by Peggy's house, could you tell her age by the kind of pajamas on her clothesline? No, it probably come close. Not of her husband's home. <laughs> Peggy, do you agree with him? Could he tell your age by your pajamas? No. Why not? I don't wear pajamas. <laughs> well, that's a pretty raw statement. <laughs> How did we ever get into this conversation? <laughs> a minute ago, we were discussing coffee. <laughs> Well, you're an interesting couple, and uh, Frank, if you knock on my door, just remember, the man of the house isn't home. Now then, we're going to play your bet your life. Let's see how well you make out in the race with the $2,000. You've got to run your $20 into more than our other couple. I can't tell you how much our first couple won, but Phantom is going to remind our listeners. The male girl and the truck driver won $170. Now let's see how high you can build your $20. You selected motion picture trademarks. Here's your first question. How much of the $20 will you risk? Ten. Ten dollars, that's a good safe uh, beginning. What motion picture company is identified by a roaring lion? MGM. MGM yeah. is right. <laughs> and they're on the way. They have thirty dollars. Remember, you're going for two thousand dollars tonight. Now, how much of the thirty are you going to try? Thirty. Thirty. What company uses a revolving globe as its trademark? Uh, would that be... Warner Brothers. No, Columbia? No, RKO. no. Uh, no, I, I'm sorry. It's, it's Universal International. Now you're broke. Well, we were not going to let them go home, broke. We, I just happen to have... Not. We cannot let them go home without any money. I'll give you one more question, and if you get it right, you'll win $10. Who was buried in Grant's tomb? <laughs> General Grant is right! <laughs> I told you that, huh? So long, Frank. Thanks, and Merry Christmas from the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers. Rachel, the uh, secret word is still floor. We, uh, we invited some men from a winery and some women from a public steam bath to the program tonight. And just before we went on the air, our studio audience selected masseuse Karen Eperman. Her partner is Mr. Rome Cook, and here they are. Folks, meet Groucho Marx. Welcome, welcome, folks, to your Bet Your Life. And if you say the secret word, you'll divide $100 between you. It's a common word, something you see every day. Karen uh, Epperman, is that right? Epperman. Epperman, huh? Eh? Yes. And the man from the Rome, what are you, Rome, Rome Cook? That's right. That's your name, huh? Yeah, uh, Karen, Karen, how do you pronounce it, Karen? Karen. Karen, what, what kind of a name is that? It is uh, from a Swedish name. I see. You're a, you're a masseuse, is that right? Yes, I am. Uh, where, where are you from, Akron, Ohio? Uh, no. I thought all masseuses came from Akron, Ohio. <laughs> now, you must ask me why. Go ahead. 
Why? Our old muscles from up in Iowa. Because that's the rubber capital of America. <laughs> I, Groucho Marx, solemnly swear never to use that joke again. <laughs> Rome Cook, is, is that your name? That's my that's name. That's an odd <clears> name. <throat> I know that Rome Burns, but I didn't know Rome Cook. <laughs> my name was Rome, was Cookie, but it was shortened to Cook. Your name was Cookie? Cookie. And, and it was shortened to Cook, yeah? That's right. Where, where, where are you from? Rome, Italy. Rome, Italy, yeah? That's right. Is that why your first name is Rome? It must be. You were named after the uh, city of uh, Rome? Right? It must be. Why did you come to California? Well, the uh, weather conditions are very nice here. Aren't they similar and to uh, the weather conditions no, in Italy? No, it's not. They're not? It's great sunshine here. can't be beat. And there isn't any... Uh, a Hungarian out front, huh? <laughs> <laughs> now, as a masseuse, uh, what do you do, Karen? I do massage and a steam bath. And Sounds like ticklish work. Huh? <laughs> How's business at your steam bath? Oh, we are pretty busy now. Mm-hmm. Got your hands full, huh? Oh, yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, let's go back to Rome. All roads lead to Rome, don't they, Cookie? Let's see, you work for a winery? Gallo Wine Company. With which, the Gallo? Gallo Wines. Gallo Wines. They just, do they make just Gallos? Do they make quarts and pints too? Oh, just yes, yes. Uh, are you married, Cookie? Yeah, I am. You have uh, any little grapes at home? Yes, four. Four? Uh-huh. Well, it's quite a bunch. Huh? <laughs> you must be married to a clinging vine. <laughs> now, Rome, do you, do, you, do you drink wine yourself? I do. Very, very much? Well, three glasses a day, ever since I can remember. How long can you remember after three glasses? <laughs> <laughs> Cookie, why do you drink uh, wine with every meal? It's a habit, and wine makes meal taste much better. Have you ever heard of a product called water? Water? Oh, yes. <laughs> Why does the average woman come into your steam bath, uh, Karen, to let off steam? She wants to take off some pounds or put them on or to relax. Suppose I wanted you to give me the full treatment. What would I do uh, first? I um, give you a private room and give you a sheet and slippers. I look like Julius Caesar by this time. <laughs> you take a mineral bath. Then I put you in an electric cabinet. What's that? It's a big, long box with... Uh, Wait a minute, you... <laughs> <laughs> you want to put me in a long box? Yes, but it I've is I've already nice. got the sheet. Huh? <laughs> I may look like I'm ready for a box, but if you don't mind, I'll wait a while. You know, I'm not ready for all that heat, either. I'll be there soon enough. How long do I stay in this mortuary, huh? You stay about uh, 10, 15 minutes on one side, and then you turn over on the other side and then 10, 15 minutes. Wait a minute. No, no basting? 15 minutes on each side? Uh, yes. All right, my body is being roasted. I'm soaking in mineral oil, and I wish I was home. What's next? Um, then <coughs> I put you on a big mar- uh, marble table. That's logical. <laughs> I've got the sheet on. I'm in a pine box, and I'm on a marble slab. <laughs> By this time, I'm in great shape. Huh? Now, why the marble slab? 
you, I had to brush your will, salt with a big brush and uh, try to get the old, just as an old floor rub hard. And... Well, you said it, Karen. You said floor. <laughs> Karen, you said floor, and you and Mr. Cookie over here split $100 between you. Well, you've both been very interesting, but I still don't know whether to spend my time at Karen's steam bath or at Cookie's winery. <laughs> Karen, why should I want one of your steam massages? You feel wonderful, relaxed after a massage. Good, that settles it. If I want to be relaxed, I'll see Karen. And if I want to be stiff, I'll see Rome Cookie. <laughs> I now pronounce you wine, woman, and song. <laughs> now you're going to play your bet your life. You beat our other two couples, and you'll get a chance at the $2,000 DeSoto Plymouth question. I can't tell you how much our other couples won, but Fenneman's offstage to remind our listeners. The male girl and the truck driver are still ahead with $170. Here we go. Let's see how high you can build your $20. You selected major cities of the world. Here's your first question. How much will you bet? Ten. Ten. Ten? In what country is the city of Cairo? Egypt. Egypt is right. Don't you look short, Bartow. They have $30. You've got $30. Remember, you're going for $2,000 tonight. Now, how much of your $30 will you bet on your second question? 25 25 25 okay. In what country is the city of Baghdad? Talk it over. You know. You ought to know this. You're both Afghanistan. No, I, I, I'm sorry. It's Iraq. They've dropped the $5 now. Uh, that's a shame. You're down to $5. Well... How much are you going to bet? The five? Five. Five. Here's your third question. Are you going to bet five dollars? In what country is the city of Vancouver? Canada. Canada is correct. <laughs> and you're fighting again. You have ten dollars. Now you got ten dollars. Here's your last chance to beat the other couples. How much of the ten? Ten. Ten dollars. In what country is the city of Warsaw? What? Warsaw. W-A-R-S-A-W. Russia. I, I'm sorry, it's Poland. You should have known that. But Warsaw. Oh, yeah, excuse me. Yeah. You didn't like my pronunciation? No, I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't care much for it myself. <laughs> well, Laura, let's give him another question. Sure. Huh? They were confused. Give, yeah, I'll give him another question. No, we okay. In what country is the city of Buenos Aires? Argentina. Argentina is right. That's right. And they wind up with a grand total of $20. You wind up with a grand total of $20. And that means the male girl and the truck driver with $170 get the chance at the DeSoto Plymouth $2,000 question. Well, give me the question, and in just a minute, they'll have a chance to win No matter what make of car you drive, folks, it will pay you to go to a DeSoto Plymouth dealer, whether it's for an emergency or a routine checkup. There you get expert, courteous service at the lowest possible cost. In fact, that's a DeSoto Plymouth dealer's everyday way of doing business. Now, DeSoto Plymouth dealers are able to accomplish this because they have highly skilled mechanics in their shop. And these service experts work with specially designed tools and the most modern equipment. From the records they keep on your car, 
They're able to tell you, for example, when your engine is in need of a tune-up or a lubrication job. They'll tell you when your tires should be rotated to add thousands of miles to their life. So, for the best from your car, drive in where you get the best service at the sign of a DeSoto Plymouth dealer. And here's the winning couple, Groucho, the male girl, and the truck driver, all set for the DeSoto Plymouth $2,000 question. All right, here we go for $2,000. I'll give you 15 seconds to decide on a single answer between you, so think carefully, and please, no help from the audience. Here we go. Kansas farmers still plow up pieces of ancient Spanish armor. Who was the Spanish commander who led his forces up through the Middle West and claimed it for Spain in 1540? All right, what is the answer you two have decided upon? Cortez. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. It's Francisco Coronado. That's the correct answer. So that means the big question next week will be worth $2,500. Well, you lost the big money, but you won how much? They won $170 in the quiz. $170 in the quiz, and you won $100 in the secret word. That's $270. Congratulations, and thanks to both of you. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday night at this time for the Groucho Marx Show, when the big question will be worth $2,500. And don't miss Groucho's television show, also presented by the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America. And remember, all dealers who sell DeSoto also sell Plymouth. Two great cars, both products of the Chrysler Corporation. And when you drive in, tell them Groucho sent you. Good night, folks, and remember, just be sure to see your DeSoto Plymouth dealer. Here's a reminder from the National Safety Council. Good visibility is the first essential of good driving. Always keep your windshield clean. You Bet Your Life, transcribed from Hollywood, is produced by John Goodell, directed by Robert Dwan and Bernie Smith, music by Jerry Fielding. This is George Fenneman signing off for the more than 3,000 DeSoto Plymouth dealers from coast to coast. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We just heard a 1950 episode of the radio quiz show, You Bet Your Life, starring Groucho Marx. Remember now, WSHDLP Eastport is a non-commercial station and does not endorse any product. Although we don't mind pointing out that the new 1951 DeSoto was quite a handsome car with round styling and a front grille that looked like buck teeth and a cute hood ornament nose and upper-crust white sidewalls. Ten years later, the final DeSoto model from 1961 featured tail fins. 
was Truck Driver's Ride, Jimmy Bryant with Speedy West from 1951. Thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of Around the World's staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin' Jane. Thank you, and see you next week. Because you know. This is Joan Loudon, a.k.a. The Bass Lady, inviting you to join me every Wednesday from 3 to 4.30 p.m. for The Bass Lady Presents. With a different weekly theme from jazz to Celtic, from Newgrass to New Orleans, it's always a mix of great music. That's every Wednesday from 3 to 4.30, with a repeat airing on Saturdays from 4 to 5.30 p.m. right here on 93.3 FM, WSHDLP Eastport, Maine. I'm all about that base. Hey, have I got a radio show for you. Old Coasting comes at you twice a week. Thursday at 8, Sunday at 4. Right here on WSHDLP in Eastport, Maine, 93.3 FM. On Bold Coasting, we don't just play the music, uh, we like to talk about it a little bit too. It's music and commentary. It's a radio show with liner notes. You kids can ask your parents what that means. Mad Pad. Mad Pad. Tune in every Saturday night at 7 and again on Tuesdays at 8 for Philly Joe Remarkable's Mad Pad right here on WSHDLP Eastport, Maine, 93.3 on your FM dial. Man, take this crazy pad. Man, it's a mad pad. Listening to WSHDLP Eastport, broadcasting from the hallowed hallways of Shed High School. Tune in Mondays 4 to 6 p.m. for Around the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane, featuring historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world, plus radio dramas from the golden age of radio. If you miss the show, don't despair. There's a repeat broadcast on Fridays, 6 to 8 p.m., and if you miss that, just go to www.cracklinjane.com and download or stream the show at your leisure. Come on by Sam's Caffeine Cafe every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 8 until 10 a.m. I'm Sam, the proprietor. I keep all the tables clean. There are no sesame seeds on the floor, no schmutz from the night before, just good music. The first hour, a little bit softer, some Americana, folk, blues, a little bit of jazz, but by 9 o'clock, we are amped up on caffeine. We're playing up-tempo music all hour long. It's a grab bag. It's a fun place to hang out, and we would love to have you. We would. Please come by 93.3 WSHDLP Eastport. <laughs>